All right, you guys, welcome back to another whiteboard session of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm hoping that my board does not fall like it did last time. Um, I've been really enjoying these because now I have more of a visual presence of what I'm trying to get at. And if you guys have any requests for topics, let me know. Um, because I have my laptop in front of me, I can actually do shout outs. So my most listened city all the way in California, city of LA, shout out to everyone in LA listening to my show. I definitely miss California because today, well, the last couple days, last year I was in Disneyland and the plan was to go back this year, but COVID fucking happened and you know, shit changes. So shout out to everyone to LA, miss that. City, miss Anaheim, miss Disneyland. Uh, number two, <clears throat> all the way in Ohio, city of Columbus, shout out to everyone in Columbus listening to my show. And number three, all the way into the UK, city of Glasgow, shout out to everyone in the UK listening to my show. And honorable mention, which is super cool, number nine, uh, all the way in Portugal, definitely going to butcher this, Benevente, Benevent, Benevente, I don't know. Anyone from Portugal listening or watching, let me know how to pronounce that. And we are going to get this show started. So, last time we talked, talked, talked about the um, benefits of kettlebell training, and I ended up going through the Turkish getup and all of its um, benefits and how I use it and where I use it and some standards and stuff like that. There's a reason why I left the board just the way it was last time. Because what we're gonna to do today is talk about crawling. And again, I'm gonna be kind of going back and forth between my phone here that I'm filming to make sure it doesn't shut off on me. And because I'm too lazy to edit this whole thing like a professional YouTuber would do, but this is my style, raw and rugged. Um, we're gonna talk about crawling today. So when I was first introduced to crawling, it was kind of around the same time with kettlebell training and I just saw kind of the, almost the same benefits. And I was like, you know, one, it's really freaking hard to want to get into a sprawl position. So if you think of, yourself or me going on my hands and knees. That's a quadruped position. And, you know, from there you can crawl, you know, opposite arm, opposite leg type of thing. But for the most part, it's pretty simple. And a lot of times people find it kind of silly crawling on the gym floor. Um, and sometimes you don't have that buy-in with your client that, hey, this is gonna help you. So you go into a sprawl plank or a bear plank, whatever you want to call it. So if you were in that quadrupedal position, you would just lift your knees off the ground and now you're basically in a you know, push-up position just with your knees bent. And most of the time I just get people to hold that for 30 seconds and then they're like, oh shit, that's pretty hard. And now you add a component of crawling forward with the opposite arm and opposite leg and you start seeing people's um, deficiencies and asymmetries. Um, a good example is that a lot of men because men tend to have more upper body strength than women, um, they tend to shift their weight forward more into their upper body than their legs because usually their legs are pretty weak. 
And it's the opposite for women where they shift their weight more into their legs because they're stronger in their legs than men. And you start seeing those small asymmetries just from a crawling exercise. Now, there's so many other aspects of crawling that you can do where you can start. The one thing that I love doing is, you know, I'm like, okay, we're gonna do the bear crawl. I'm gonna get you to crawl forward for 10 repetitions. Every time your hand moves, it's one repetition. And then when you get to the 10th rep, I want you to come backwards. And then, you know, client goes, okay, yeah, sure. The moment they have to go backwards, it's like their brain can't make the connection with the rest of their body on how to perform that movement. And when you think about crawling, it is literally the precursor to walking because it is opposite arm, opposite leg, the reciprocal um, hand and leg motion that we do every single day and how we run, how we jog and everything. And from a developmental standpoint, um, that's how children, well, small little babies, toddlers, um, develop core stability, strength uh, within the joints and muscles to eventually get up and start walking from a crawling position. So really at the same time when I got introduced to kettlebells, that's when Greg Cook, the founder of Functional Movement Screen, kind of got into this whole idea of crawling patterns. And this kind of segues into the Turkish getup. So I have here a list of all the benefits of crawling, which we're going to go through. And I want you to try to remember from last video if any of these sound familiar. So <clears throat> if you do any kind of Google search of the benefits of crawling for exercise, this list will pop up. Promotes cross lateralization, getting the right brain to work with the left side. Kind of sounds like the Turkish getup, if you really think about it, right? So. Turkish get up if you're lying on your back, coming across the body, and the you get that cross reciprocal lateralization, like I just said. Um, promotes upper body stability. In crawling, in order to go opposite arm, opposite leg, you need to create enough stability in the shoulders to do so. Number three, promotes lower body stability. Same thing. If you were to crawl, you not only do you need your upper body to be stable, you also need your hips to be stable. Um, number four, promotes reflexive stability of the trunk and the extremities. So in order to actually um, crawl, this stuff here from your hip to your shoulders has to have enough stability and core strength in order to produce the motion through your extremities. So there's always this concept of like, if this stuff works really, really well, then my extremities, arms and legs, will work more effectively for the movement I'm about to produce. And if you haven't noticed already, from points one to four, they are exactly the same as the Turkish getup, right? So in my head, I'm like, if crawling has the same benefits as a Turkish getup, and I know that people struggle so much in the Turkish getup, it would make more sense to attack those insufficiencies or asymmetries that someone may have in the Turkish getup with another similar movement that's a little bit different because when you think about the Turkish getup you are in a supine position whereas crawling majority of all the crawling patterns there are is in a prone position so just like this is a whole other topic that I can get into but just like if you're in the gym and you are a big fan of bench press, push-ups, cable flies, um, 
cable chest press, whatever it is, <clears throat> then you would want to supplement that pushing pattern with a pulling pattern so then you have a good ratio of push to pull. Like we all know that if all you did from Monday to Friday was some sort of chest exercise of a horizontal push, you're gonna end up injured, weird posture stuff and all that kind of crap. So it would make sense that every time you do a chest press, you'd want to do some sort of row, dumbbell row, whatever it is. So we can use the same um, concept, same thought process for exercises that exposes a lot of weaknesses and just attack it in a different plane of movement or um, indirect plane of movement. <clears throat> so when I create programs for people, especially the general population, they all get the Turkish get up and they all get crawling. So let's make a little thing right here. And a whole other category, crawling. Now, how do I want to do this? So let's go over kind of how I start with crawling. So if I put someone through an assessment and I see that they have a lot of work to do, I will literally get them just crawling on the floor rather than being in that bear crawl position because I find that it's just almost like information overload for <clears throat> some people. Like one, giving them a plank position and a dynamic movement like a bear crawl and then they have to be able to, you know, have the coordination and be strong enough to now crawl forward and back. So just like the developmental stages of a baby, like you, you can't walk before you crawl or even further, you can't crawl before you finally roll over and get onto your hands and knees, right? Like there's prerequisites for everything. So for someone that has a lot of stuff going on, Sometimes I'll literally get them on their hands and knees on the floor in a quadrupedal position and I just want them to crawl. And even then, I will see instability with people that have a lot of work to do where if they go opposite hand, opposite leg to take that initial step in crawling, you'll see people start rotating or falling because they don't know how to stabilize themselves on two points of contact because that's the other thing. is a moment that you initiate your first crawling um, step, let's call it, um, you are now at two points of contact, your knee and your hand, and yes, your toe, but you'll find a lot of people will have their um, feet into plantar flexion. So really you're on just your knee and hand, and that basically resembles a bird dog. And that's a whole nother thing is like, if you don't have space to um, crawl, your next best guess is the bird dog, right? And <clears throat> my whole concept of training is like picking exercises and modalities that tend to kind of bleed into other things that you need to work on or other aspects of training that complement each other, right? Like I'm not just like the movement guy. I'm not just the kettlebell guy. I'm not just the barbell guy. Like everyone, every type of training modality out there has a place and time. Right, like if I had a client that came in that was like, oh, I want to really learn how to do barbell cleans or whatever it is, then I'm like, yeah, let's get there, but let's utilize the Turkish getup, let's utilize crawling, let's utilize a kettlebell, let's utilize control articular rotations for you to get there, right? So <clears throat> going back to a person that has a lot of stuff going on, if I were to um, 
start with someone, it'll be just crawling and like, you'll see those instabilities. And especially when I get someone to crawl backwards with not even being in that full bear crawl position, tends to really create some good patterning and good uh, adaptations to kind of develop that nervous system and reawaken stuff that we haven't used forever. Because like, I just believe that now with our environment, the way that we live, we're almost kind of taking a step back from, this is getting really deep, um, from evolution where we're supposed to kind of progress ourselves as humans, as humans, um, as like sapiens. Um, and we're kind of at a standstill or just getting worse. And you start seeing people, especially in the clinic setting, like terrible posture. And I put that in air quotes because that's a whole other topic that people can debate about. But, you know, for the typical person that sits 10 hours every day, eight hours every day. And like, I've said this so many times, if you audit the average person today, especially now with COVID that everyone works at home, um, go pre-COVID, this is the example I always give, is like, you know, you wake up, you sit in your car, you commute 45 minutes to an hour, and you're sitting, you go to your desk, you're sitting for eight to 10 hours, you drive back home, another hour sitting, you're at the dinner table sitting to eat, and now you're sitting to watch Netflix or Disney Plus, whatever you got at home, and now that's like probably 80 to 90% of your day is just sitting, and then if you don't exercise, then you're onto the bed to go sleep. Like those things are preventing us from progressing as being functional as a human. Like I don't think we now are equipped with the stresses that our bodies are able to adapt to. We're slowly kind of taking away our body's ability to be this like well-engineered machine that is able to do so many amazing things. Right, like our bodies are designed to defend ourselves from external forces, disease, things like that. But now with our environment, that's being taken away from us. And then when I get someone to crawl, literally crawl on the floor, and they don't have the ability to stabilize their core to be on two points of contact and just take one step without hips dropping, elbow bending, falling over, like that's a little bit alarming to me. And there's no like, no surprise that when people come to the clinic where I work, that they have all these issues. Like, imagine if, and this this happens, imagine if I had someone in front of me that had all these issues and I got them really good at Turkish get up, really good at crawling, and we just practiced those two things only for like three months, like a lot of their stuff would clear up. and. You know, a lot of times when I have conversations with new clients or new, new people that are struggling and they're like, okay, well, like, what should I do? Like, what's the secret? And I'm like, literally learn how to lift properly, learn how to work on your asymmetries by exercise like the Tur Turkish get up and crawling the bird dog. All those things will improve all those deficiency, uh, deficiencies. And a lot of people just think like, Exercise has to be this really, really, really hard thing. And I always tell people that, you know, it's really, really easy to make someone tired. You know, go do 100 burpees. You're going to be fucking tired from doing that. But it's really difficult to make someone better, right? A lot more planning goes into that, a lot more thought process, a lot more effort, a lot more time, a lot more patience. 
takes to make someone better. And a lot of people don't want to go down that path because our lives are super cushy nowadays and things tend to just be faster. And when it comes to influencing change in our bodies, influencing muscle change, like tissue change, that takes time. Like I would almost um, go down this whole rabbit hole of like to change tissue quality. If someone was injured or if they want to get more flexibility, whatever it is, is as difficult as permanent weight loss where you're, you know, I lost 20 pounds and it's been off for like six years and counting, right? I think it's toe to toe, almost the same. Um, where was I going with that? I tend to go on tangents a lot, but let's continue with our list. My laptop will turn on. Um, so number five, just like in the Turkish getup, ties the right arm to the left leg and the left arm to the right leg. Um, this is where bigger picture of training kind of comes into play. If I know that as a human being, I like to go left leg first, right leg follows, and that alternating pattern, I would assume that if I were to train that way, because it's a natural built-in hardwiring of my body in a training environment, then I would probably get more benefit than doing the opposite. And this is where I believe unilateral training kind of one-ups bilateral training. But there is a caveat to that in a sense that I love deadlifting with two feet on the ground. The reason behind that is I think it's fucking awesome to be able to lift heavy. <laughs> two, it makes you feel strong and powerful and it kind of gives you um, the sense of accomplishment, especially like, again, for a trainer, you kind of get into your ego, but I think for a general population person where they can say, fuck, I deadlifted 200 pounds and they're coming from a background of like never played a sport in their life has always been weak or overweight or whatever it is and they're just a regular person and they go into an environment like a gym, it's super scary, intimidating, and then this trainer takes them and gives them all the tools to be successful and then puts all those tools that they've gained to the test on a barbell and lifts 200 pounds for the first time and then realizes, oh, 200 pounds on this first rep is not that bad, let me try a second one. Oh wait, let me try a third one. Holy shit, I'm doing a fourth one, now I'm struggling and boom. like. That is a huge accomplishment, right? And I think a lot of people forget that exercise is not just about, I need to get tired, I need to sweat, and I need to be out of breath to get the benefit, right? I believe that if you create yourself <clears throat> this idea of, I wanna accomplish a couple things in the gym and work towards those goals rather than, my goal is to be hot and sweaty every time I work out. Right, like I probably said this a couple of episodes ago or whatever it was, but um, like your workout is only as good as it if you can recover from it. If I'm constantly beating the shit out of my body, then I have not enough sufficient time to recover from it, and I'm not going to see the benefit of um, the work that I put into it, right. And that's where people end up getting injured, they get tired, they get moody, like our body can only take so much stress, right? 
and what's the minimal dose that you need, right? If your threshold's here and you're taking your body here every single time in a workout, there's there's no way of you recovering from there, right? So if I know my threshold's here, I just wanna like tap it up just a little bit every single time, just enough that I can recover and then now my threshold is where I was, right? And this is the cool thing about our bodies is that if you give it enough stress to adapt from it, it just improves from there and you can take on more, right? Um, going back to that whole left arm, sorry, right arm to the left leg and the left arm to the right leg, this is where that whole idea of unilateral training works really well. So lunges, single leg deadlift, single arm presses, single arm rows, those things I feel and other coaches in the industry that believe this will tell you the same thing that if I can make someone stronger on one leg um, compared to two legs, they're gonna excel at sports, they're gonna excel at everyday life. Um, it's gonna work on those asymmetries again, because again, like the less um, assistance from the other limb, the more things you'll discover, right? So I always tell people, when you squat with two legs, you can hide a lot of shitty form in that for a long time, but then you're gonna hit a plateau and then like say like i've had this before with crossfitters amateur powerlifters that you know <clears throat> when they come to me with a plateau and say they're back squatting 200 pounds and then i put them in just a split squat position and they're fumbling all over a place at body weight and i'm like imagine if you could do a split squat body weight and you're just solid as a rock how much of that would transfer over to your back squat Right, so I think highly that we need to be better on a, a unilateral basis in order to be better human beings, right? Um, again, there's no research on it, but it just makes sense to me, right? If someone came to me, they're like, no, I like to bench press, squat, and deadlift. I'm like, sweet. If that's your thing, go for it, but we're going to supplement other stuff so you can be better at it. Right? It's just like anything. Like if I were to get a client that's a power lifter or any any sport, like name any sport that comes to mind, I would train them for the specifics of the sport, but stuff that would also support it, right? Um, man, I'm going all over the place when it comes to just crawling. So um, if I were to <clears throat> go on the concept of the single arm, single leg process, crawling hits that really, really nicely. And, you know, because I have this whole bird dog thing, um, one, it's one of those exercises that everyone has done in their lifetime of training. Everyone has probably seen it in the rehab setting, um, their physiotherapist probably gave it to them. Um, I think almost everyone knows what a bird dog is. But the biggest pet peeve of mine is that people do not do the bird dog properly at all. Um, I posted a upgraded <clears throat> bird dog, in my opinion, because if you look at what the bird dog is supposed to do, it is supposed to simulate write this down stability 
this sort of stab for the shoulders, hips, and I'll put in a little back. How am I supposed to create stability if I'm just going through the motion of reaching and kicking and not thinking about actual stabilization, right? So stability is that safety net for our joints. If I need to create stability, I also need tension, right? If someone were to tell me that someone's gonna punch me in the gut, my core needs to stabilize to absorb that impact. So it needs to be somewhat braced. It's not gonna be loosey-goosey like a bird dog. The bird dog needs to have some sort of tension to create that stability, but also have a moment where it relaxes. So they've done really cool studies of top athletes to see if there is a common common uh, commonality between all of them when they do what they do best. So someone like Usain Bolt, um, the moment that his foot touches the ground to produce power, his entire body is contracted and he's solid as a rock. And then when his foot comes up to go to the next step, and in running there is literally a split second where you're like floating in the air, his entire body is like, there's nothing going on. There's no muscle activation. So it's like contract, relax, contract, relax at a high rate, right? And that's what allows these athletes to produce force um, and just be as good as what they do, right? So the bird dog teaches your body how to do that, but not at such a high level, but gives you the basis to do that, right? So if you're just going through the motion, then you're not getting the benefit. You're just moving for no apparent reason. So when I see people doing the bird dog, I'm like, fuck, you're put, like leaving a lot on the table. So imagine you crawling, would you want, or even, um, yeah, let's go to the crawling idea. If I have on my hands and knees and I take my right hand forward and my left leg forward, do I want to be super loosey goosey or do I want some sort of tension that when I make that step, it's solid, you know what I mean? So with the bird dog, same idea. When I coach it, when I tell people, as you are kicking out and reaching forward, I want you to think of creating tension in your body. There's a couple things of, of the way to do that. So with the leg behind kicking, I tell people to think of leaving your heel and squeezing your ass as hard as possible. The most, the biggest mistake I see people doing is when they kick that leg back, they're kicking like up towards the ceiling. And what happens is like, you're not gonna get good glute engagement because in a good healthy hip, hip extension is up to 20 degrees. If you're going past 20 degrees, then you're just recruiting lumbar extension to get up there. And the last time I checked, when you walk or run, you don't really want lumbar extension into this position because now you're leaving a lot of power production because your glute is not firing the way it should. So then people become dominant in lumbar extension and hamstring extension, right? So um, one of the reasons why low back patients get 
the bird dog because they think like, oh, the bird dog, two points of contact, you need to stabilize your core and it's going to be better. But if you don't know how to coach it, a lot of times that heel that's being kicked back, you're teaching your body that anytime I want to have hip extension, I need to use my lumbar spine. And that's so backwards of what we're trying to accomplish when it comes to creating that stability in our especially in this case of a low back person, a lumbopelvic region, right? So when you kick back, you don't actually have to go that far to, um, what's it called? Uh, to go that far um, to get the benefit of the exercise. So as that's happening, and you're also reaching, I tell people I want you to create a fist as hard as possible, right? So as they reach forward, you're thinking of like both the hand and the heel creating as much tension as possible. And also the hand that's supporting you, I'm telling people to corkscrew in to the ground to create even more tension. And then on the way back, that's when they kind of relax. So contract, relax, contract, relax, contract, relax. And sometimes when I see people crawling so poorly, even if they're not in the bear crawl position, I will just go into the bird dog and teach them that and how to hold that and then go back to crawling and that fixes a lot of stuff. So there's always little intricacies like that where you can go back and forth. Um, and then the other thing too is like as people get better at this, there's so many other variations that you can do. You can use bands, you can use kettlebells, you can use sandbags for that bird dog position and then get into more advanced crawling. So <clears throat> let's go back to our list because I feel like I'm kind of going all over the place. But um, just like... Um, crawling um, just like the Turkish get up crawling also hits um, the visual system the vestibular system and the proprioception, uh, proprioception system um, because if you think about our hands and this is where I like people training barefoot just like um, kettlebell training our hands are exposed to so much every single day so we get a lot of good feedback and a lot of good proprioception with our feet on the other hand, even me right now, I'm wearing socks. So I'm el eliminating that first layer of touch that my feet should have to kind of feel what we're doing. So when I get people crawling, again, right now I'm not in a position where I can get them barefoot, but ideally if you were barefoot, now you're getting more feedback to your feet. And that's another whole other topic of how to kind of develop yourself. Um, and this is why I think kettlebell training and crawling go hand in hand together, right? There's a reason why yogis in classes are always barefoot. There's so much more feedback. Like imagine you doing a yoga class with shoes on or socks on, like it's not going to feel the same. You're not going to have that sense of balance. You're not going to have that sense of proprioception. You're probably going to fall over trying to do warrior two or three, whatever it is, right? So these two kind of go hand in hand. Um, and I think also like, being able to develop strength in this position. Like when crawling becomes easy, especially just going forward and back, we get into like lateral stuff. I'll get into, you know, placing a, a weight on the back. Like imagine if someone got so strong at crawling, like how much more they could do with their body. And the benefits just like, they just keep, they, the lists are endless, right? And this is where I think programming 
becomes an art. Like what I said before, like if I know the Turkish getup hits these 12 points that I listed last time, um, and then the crawling does the same thing, just a different way of doing it, it's just a different um, position of your body, then like this is solid. Like this is why every single uh, program I create has some sort of component of the getup and some component of crawling, bird dog, whatever it is. Now, where we can go from here too is like, you know, clients tend to want um, some sort of variation and sometimes you can't just do the Turkish get up for an entire year. So if I went from the concept of crawling and the bird dog, another thing that I get into is the dead bug. And the dead bug, just like the bird dog, is kind of one of those things that almost every single um, rehab professional uses for exercise to um, help their patient, help their clients. You know, the whole the whole rehab world uses this like crazy. And it's again, another exercise that I feel that is completely um, butchered when it comes to coaching it. And, you know, going back to the whole idea of crawling, rehab setting, great. General fitness, amazing, right? If I brought in the like strongest guy from everyone's gym and got them crawling for just like five minutes, they would be toast, right? If you know that something as simple as crawling is going to fatigue or tire out somebody really easily, that means they have a lot of stuff they need to work on and crawling kind of hits that. And I love using exercises that looks really easy on paper, on video, whatever it is. But then when put in practice, you're like, holy shit. And I get this comment a lot from my online clients, in-person clients that, you know, every time they look at my programs, they're like, really, this is it? Like, it seems so simple, but because of a thorough assessment, uh, it will show me what they need to do. And if I know that this client has no overhead mobility, they have zero conditioning, they have zero single leg strength, they have instability in their hips, their core, blah, 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 the list goes on, and I give them crawling, bits of the Turkish getup, half kneeling positions, tall kneeling positions, um, all those things that affect those areas that they're weak at, just after their warm up, after their first set of exercises, they're like, holy shit, this is so hard, why? And I'm like, because I'm picking exercises that are addressing all your asymmetries or what you're weak at, all the um, things that you need. And I always say that and people are like, man, it makes a huge difference. Like, yeah, there's a huge difference between you going to a class that has a cookie cutter um, program and you just doing it compared to let's look at your history. Let's look at how you move. Let's look at what deficiencies you have and let's create exercises that affect all those things. One, you're going to get to your um, goals a lot faster, like a lot faster. You're going to probably be pain-free getting there. You're not going to have any aches or pains. And you'll see progress a lot quicker within exercises that you could never do before or exercises you've done before but weren't really good at, right? So it kind of covers all the bases. Um, where is that going with that? Dead bug. 
so many people do this exercise and they'll say they feel it in their lower back. And again, the dead bug, kind of like crawling, kind of like the Turkish getup, is one of those ones that covers a lot of bases. Because again, if we go back to the developmental stages of a baby, we all start in a lying supine position, we move our arms and legs, and eventually we roll over. So I like utilizing the dead bug, the bird dog crawling, the Turkish getup all in one kind of mad scientist type of way, knowing that it's going to affect a lot of things that are good for you. So with the dead bug, before I even get people moving their arm and leg, I'm like, can you even fucking breathe in that position, right? And this is a whole nother conversation about breathing. Like, can you um, perform a proper diaphragmic breath in this position before you move your arms and legs? And remember the whole idea of creating tension, creating stability, and like in the Turkish getup, like I mentioned it before, um, in order to actually do that cross-rolling pattern is learning how to utilize the breath to stabilize and come across. So just like crawling in bird dog, contract, relax, contract, relax. Can you actually do that? So when I get people in the supine position for the dead bug, we do a couple reps of the breathing. If they can do it, it's like, okay, let's bring the arms forward, let's bring the legs up. Same thing, can you breathe? If they clear that, okay, let's move on to just moving one leg down to the ground. So when I coach it, I want deep breath in. At the diaphragm, they hold, extend the leg, exhale hard coming back in. Where did they feel it? Did they feel it here or did they feel it their hip flexors? Did they feel it in their low back, right? Sometimes you have to troubleshoot these things. If I know that someone felt it in their low back, I'm like, okay, rather than extending the whole leg, let's cut the lever in half. Because when you cut levers in half, the exercise becomes a little bit easier. If that fixes the problem, awesome, cool, let's now start doing dead bugs. If not, and they're still feeling it low back, or yeah, let's go say they feel it low back, let's give you more tension, because sometimes people don't understand the concept of tension. I will just get their one free hand pushing on the leg of the leg that's not going to come down, and creating tension as much as possible, come down back up. That usually fixes a lot of things because sometimes people don't know, understand the concept of tension unless they feel it. And that's another thing that like, if someone's exercised before and they've always had issues or they've never exercised before, when I tell you, turn on your core, no one ever really fucking knows what that means. They only think of like bracing as hard as possible, but sometimes that doesn't work, right? It's just feeding the system. Like they need to feel that movement and like that, Again, man, I'm talking really fast. Pre-COVID, when I teach a movement sometimes and people don't get it, I will physically move their legs. So like when I teach hip cards, for example, I will literally move people's limbs so they can feel what they're supposed to do. And it's that much um, faster for them to learn the movement, execute it, and be a better human being. Um, so sometimes with the dead bug or bird dog, like learning tension, I will like, do little things like that to have them feel it. So even the Turkish getup, like I can't remember if I talked about this, I don't think so. Like sometimes when you teach them how to breathe, they're still not getting that whole idea of tension. So like sometimes I'll play the starfish game. And again, nowadays you can't really do it, but pre-COVID having someone lying on the ground, like in a starfish position and I tell them, don't let me move you. I will try to lift their leg off the ground, lift their arm off the ground, and they're just fighting for that spot. And I'm like, that's the feeling I want you to have when you do the Turkish getup. 
crawling, bird dog, dead bug, to create stability, which is safety, within your body, right? When people get that, it becomes like a domino effect of everything else. And I think for the next episode, I'm going to go into three things you need for a foundation. Um, It also contributes to a whole rehab setting as well. And I think that's going to help a lot of people understand why the foundations are so important and why skipping steps tends to cause more problems than uh, solutions. And I think that's going to be a good place to end. Um, If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, Hopefully I didn't ramble all over the place, but when my mind starts going, I have like a lot of ideas that need to come across. Um, For those who are listening, click the show notes, the videos here, so you can see the board and me rambling with my hands and stuff like that. But thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You guys are amazing. Until next time. That's it for today.